0: All right. How's it going, guys? Um <laughs> This one's going to be an interesting one. I guess I'm kind of in a no-win situation here. I If I do a podcast and I ask the questions that everybody wants to know, I'm complicit and I'm a fanboy as some people uh quote unquote call me. I simply wanted to ask the questions that everybody else is asking. I have no bearing on his answers. I can only take him and his answers for Jeff, I'm speaking as him, uh, as he gives them to me. I mean, I have no knowledge that anything is incorrect that he says. So, just want to give you his perspective, Jeff's perspective, on everything that's gone down. A lot of the things that have been said about him. um, Complaints about trash cans and flavoring and all this stuff that in general it would seem outlandish to people, but in the grand scheme of bourbon pages is just another day. Uh, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people lose sight at the fact that the, it, there is someone here, a human being that has his livelihood at stake and it's being torn down by a group of people that think it's funny. I mean, that's, that's the basis for my thought process. It's like, unless something is proven and I get proof that it's, he's doing something wrong. As far as I'm concerned, I can only take him for what he says. And like I said, it's somebody that has their own money, their children, their wife, their family member are all uh, affected by this. And I don't know. I guess that's just me. Sorry, I have a heart. I apologize. So enjoy the podcast. Uh, for those of you listening, this might be the only time you listen. That's fine. If you want to keep listening, that's fine, too. Uh, just no, I didn't give my opinion on this podcast. I just let Jeff speak and give his piece. So enjoy. Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. Uh, you only have one Bourbon Boy here this week, but I do have a very special guest, uh, Jeff Mattingly. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. So this is a, a little bit different type of an episode. Uh, it's basically going to be me going down the list of uh, things that Jeff needs to address to the Berber community as a whole. Um, I'm not going to say a whole lot. I'm just going to let Jeff talk so he can get the answers out that you all want to hear. Um, everything that has been talked about, we'll try to cover before the end of the podcast. So, first off, Jeff, trash cans has been much talked about for a while. Can you give us a
1: rundown about that issue? Yeah, so... We are a small distillery, and our uh, our distillery here, our operation, uh, we're limited on our room. Um, and uh, the movability that we have in our area, uh, and even the equipment that we use, um, you know, we're self-funded. I got over a million dollars of my own money tied up in this facility. So, we're kind of limited at the equipment that we can uh, buy and, and use. Um, we use various containers to put our bourbon in, such as totes, um, stainless steel uh, uh, barrels, containers, and the whole trash can thing that has somehow completely got out of hand. Um do we use containers that are labeled trash cans? Yes, we do. So I want to defend that by saying I went to Lowe's. Uh, we're not we're not able to get our soaps in, in all the areas that we need to to put our bourbon in. So I went to Lowe's, got some uh, uh, trash cans, brought them back. Um, we washed them out with soap and water. Uh, we disinfected them with Everclear rinsed them out with distilled water, and then um, sanitize them with sandstone. Now, I know people have taken uh, some pictures without our authority and our permission and manipulated those pictures to make it look like that we're using uh, unsanitary uh, containers uh, to put our bourbon in, and that's the farthest thing from it. Um, we use those from time to time to move our bourbon from point A to point B because we're in tight spots, and we put it in those containers depending on uh, the nature and the situation, uh, so we can pump them out to put into our our um, bottling tank. So that's the direct uh, answer, and um, and it's unfortunate that I'm uh, that I'm even having to answer that, but. But that's the uh, that's the truth.
0: Is the use of these type of things uh, normal at most distilleries?
1: Um, you know, I really and truly don't know. Okay. Um, I know that totes are uh, mainly used, uh, and you know, uh, uh your stainless steel containers. But the cans that we use, they're, they are polypropylene. It is the same material that are used in bottles um, and the totes. And again, I want to stress that we sanitize everything. Everything is disinfected, sanitized, and there is no contamination. So somebody has taken this and completely ran with it.
0: Okay. Um, The next next thing I want to ask you about is uh, flavoring, adding flavorings. Do you add any flavorings to your bourbon?
1: Absolutely not. Again, this is, uh, I don't know where this came from, um, but no, uh, the Tax and Trade Bureau outlines, uh, what, uh, bourbon whiskey is, and, uh, flavoring is something that is done to whiskey, uh, such as, like, a fireball, and, uh, we do not do that. I craft crafted finishing each barrels, uh, differently, and, um, Uh, to be unique, and there is absolutely, positively, no flavoring added whatsoever.
0: Okay. Next thing is, there have been questions about uh, labeling, um, the front label specifically, uh, the definitions of the bourbons and whiskeys. Would you like to address
1: that? Okay. Yeah, um, again, no matter what answer I give you, that's unfortunate. Uh, It's excerpts from this are going to be taken and manipulated. So the way I'm going to answer this is uh, educate yourself. You can go to ttb.gov and look up COLIS, and you can read all the specific information that is outlined uh, by standards of identity. Our beverage alcohol manual tells us exactly what we can and cannot say. Um, whether it's a um, a straight whiskey, um, uh, straight bourbon whiskey, a bourbon whiskey, and so on and so forth. So the best thing I can tell folks to do is just go to ttb.gov and educate yourself.
0: Okay. Um, So the next thing is uh, market manipulation. I've been hearing a lot about market manipulation. A bottle sold before it was released to the distillery Uh, maybe some bottles that were not released when you said you were going to lease 120 bottles, you released 40 or 50. Um, Can you you start off with the bottle that was sold before release date first and then maybe go into the uh,
1: reasoning why you had less bottles? um, Okay, so market manipulation. I don't even know how to do that. Um, I am not aware of any bottles um, from this distillery that has been given uh, to do that. Now, I am aware of a couple of our bottles going up on the I believe second-hand market to raise money for charity and for uh, a a personal friend of mine because he experienced a tragedy in his family and we were blessed to help uh, raise over $10,000 and we're not going to apologize for that. Uh, we were blessed to be able to, that one of our products was able to do that. But no, I am not aware of any bottles being sold on the secondhand market before the release to uh, inflate the prices.
0: And can you explain to us why uh, you had said they were going to release 120 of your last release and ended up releasing 40 to
1: 50? So we had two releases and uh, I'm not not sure of the exact number. One release, I believe, was 150, and um, the other release that we did um, was uh, 40, 50 bottles. It could be more, it could be less. Um, That was an oversight on my part. Um, I thought we had enough labels, and we did it. I just completely... um, uh, um, I just lost a roll of labels. That, that's as direct and as point blank as I can get.
0: And some people have said something about you uh, breaking bottles. Were there any bottles broken in anger, or did you have a mishap at the distillery or what?
1: I have no idea.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, that much, I have absolutely no idea. Now, I know during our bottling, there were a couple of bottles that were dropped, okay. and... You know, if somebody took that and ran with it, then, you
0: know, uh, it's, it's a shame. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's talk about, uh, an incident you had with a fellow podcaster, uh, a gentleman that came in to do a podcast with you. Can you just let us know, uh, how that situation went
1: down from your perspective? Uh, yes, um. A very unfortunate situation again. Um, I had a young man came in that was scheduled to do a podcast, and I suggested to him. And the reason for his podcast is he was uh, he wanted to ask questions about uh, the private barrel selection experience that we offer because it's uh, it's it's not uh, it's different from the rest of the industry. So I suggested that um, I give him his own personal private barrel selection, and that way, when we did the podcast, that he could uh, he, he could understand it a little bit better, and it would make more sense on his podcast. And I told him, I said, "Look, you know, we'll do the private barrel selection first, and you can even uh, blend your own bottle, and afterwards, we'll sit down to do the podcast." I don't know how much more accommodating I could have been. Um, towards the end of the uh, his personal blend, uh, it was brought to my attention that he was sending and receiving text messages, and he was, uh, unfortunately, had a hidden agenda for being there. And uh, he and his fellow group members were playing a game called Mattingly Bingo. And from the best I can understand, um, he and his friends uh, in the same group. Um, every time he got, he did something or got me to say or do, he would get points for doing that. And as ridiculous as this can, ridiculous as this sounds, I can't even make this up. Uh, and I do want to say everything that I've talked about. Uh, and told you so far we have uh, screenshots from the um, uh, uh, from Facebook and the uh, groups to uh, confirm everything that I'm saying
0: okay and there's there's been speculation that you may have gotten mad and yelled at him is that actually the case of what happened from your perspective
1: well I don't know how uh, this young man perceived it um, what I did was scolded him for taking advantage, uh, because I brought it to, brought to his attention and told him that we knew about the um, uh, the text messages um, that he uh, sent to receive over a period of uh, three to four hours while he was here. Um, and I had uh, two of my staff members that were with me whenever I questioned him. And um, I did not yell and scream at him, but I scolded him and told him how disappointed I was that he had the audacity to come in my distillery and even tried to secretly tape us. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this and, and um, still having a hard time understanding that somebody would do this. But, yes, I scolded him. Did I raise my voice, yell and scream at him? Did I touch him? No. But, um, you know, if it was one of my sons that did something like that, I would have bent him over my knee and patted his little ass.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so the final question I have is there, or it's actually, I guess it's a, I don't know if it's a question, but it's more or less a statement. Uh there have been a lot of personal attacks towards you about maybe your demeanor during releases or whatever, what have you. Uh, Is there any way you would like to uh, approach this? I mean, there's been a lot of people say things about you as a person as they see you, I don't know how to put it. It's a personal
1: attack. You've seen them. You know, I think I know what you're getting at. Um, And out of everything... Uh, you know this this is what's hurtful the most in 1995 um i was uh i was in a bad auto accident um there was four of us in this accident and um three of us survived um the driver was killed instantly and the other two was able to walk away from it but unfortunately i had to lay there and look at my friends and uh, see the carnage of it, and um, the EMTs, uh, the wonderful EMTs, and state police had to cut me out from under the vehicle. Um, I sustained a lot of injuries from it. I had to have facial reconstruction, and as a result of it, um, uh, my uh, my eyes water. Um, I, you know, I do have a little bit of vision issues. Um, uh, I had. Uh, uh, nasal reconstruction uh, several times uh, to correct help correct some of the problems that i have and uh, you know this is chad that one's very hurtful that one is very 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 hurtful
0: okay um sort of as a, as a closing is there something you want to say like a what your business model is if people come in and want to talk to you sort of what you try to strive to be just to let everybody know uh, aside from all these issues that have been going on, uh, what you are trying to do at bourbon 30.
1: So my vision and business model from day one was to offer a private barrel selection experience different from what everybody else, uh, uh, has and can do. Um, and that that experience is being able to uh, give our guests uh, uh, or, or be able to expose our guests to more barrels. Uh, most private barrel selections, you're limited at the number of barrels that uh, you can uh, taste from. Um, if we have 30, 40, 50 barrels, We'll go through every single one of them if we have to. The two options that you have when you come here is you can choose a single barrel, or you can pull from multiple barrels. The point of this is is um, is to it's to create uh, just a wonderful experience and to be able to share that with as many people as possible. My business model is not the secondhand market. Once, uh, the product leaves our distillery, we have absolutely no control over it. Um, you know, I've personally read some things that, uh, that our business model was the secondhand market. And that's, that's just simply untrue. And if any, uh, you know, uh, any business owner knows that, uh, you don't limit yourself to, uh, to one, uh revenue uh or one's uh, uh, stream of revenue mm-hmm. um that that's the that's one of the most ridiculous things i heard that i've heard about all of this as well um, no that's absolutely untrue as as well
0: uh, okay well is there anything you'd like to say in closing before I close this out i'm not gonna say a whole lot i'll I'll probably do a little intro before the uh before the start of the podcast. But uh, if there's anything you want to say to close it out, go ahead and say your um, piece.
1: Okay, I really appreciate this. Um, you know, it's it's been a whirlwind of things uh, that's happened over the last 24 hours, 36 hours. Um, we do our best to to accommodate each and every person, and we treat everyone with the utmost respect. Um, we, Chad, we are very appreciative and gracious of everyone that comes in our distillery because not everyone has the money not everyone has the coins to rub together to buy our um, bourbons and whiskeys and we don't take that lightly um, we do our best to give uh, a memorable experience and we're glad to be a part of a lot of experiences that are shared with us when people come to our distillery. So we're truly, truly, truly blessed. And uh, to each and every one that's been to our distillery and um, uh, has experienced this, and for the ones who haven't, uh, you know, we hope to see you. And just want to say from my heart, thank you very much. We love you guys and hope to see you again.
0: All right, Jeff. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to let you know ahead of time that I will not – I'm not cutting this at all. So everything that's happened during this podcast – Outside of you know me ringing the phone and and saying hello is going to be on there.
1: Well, you know I really appreciate that too because there's absolutely no need to.
0: Okay, all right. Well, you have a nice afternoon. I've got to uh, be on a work conference call, so <laughs> looking forward to that.
1: Chad, thanks for thanks for giving us a voice, and uh, it's it's very appreciated.
0: No problem, Jeff.
1: See you later. All right. Take care. Thank you.